You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hi, everybody. Hello, and welcome to the Bechdel cast. My name is Caitlin Durante. My name is Jamie Loftus. Um, we hope that this podcast finds you well. It has been a very difficult couple of weeks. Um, and if you're listening, thank you for listening. Yes, indeed. So we are, we're going to be getting back to uh, your regularly scheduled um, programming movie episode next week. But we wanted to just have a, bi- a bit of a conversation uh, this week. A bit of a conversation. It was a conversation. Uh, <laughs> a, full, a full conversation. A whole ass conversation. Um, <laughs> because um, I think... Like many people, we've been taking stock of not just our own shit, but of our show's shit. Mm-hmm. And so we just want to speak to that briefly before um, sharing a whole conversation we had with friend of the cast and friend of us, Kenise mm-hmm. Mobley. Yes. Yes, we'll get to that in a moment. But Jamie, like you said, I've been doing a lot of reflecting. You've been doing a lot of reflecting Mm -hmm. on our episodes that we've done so far and the movies that we've chosen to cover and the dearth of black movies in our episode history. Our catalog. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, which it's like we we were talking about it because originally we were considering re-releasing an older episode this week. And as we were going through our own catalog, and at this point we have hundreds of episodes, Mm -hmm. the pickings for a black directed and written movie were, it was like, I was mad at us. Like it Yeah, it's embarrassing. We should be embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, we and and we are and we, we want are. to <laughs> let all of our listeners know that it is I mean we like it, it, there's no excuse for it. We we were just not we just weren't giving that the attention that it deserves and um going through our own catalog was 
oh boy, it was a humbling experience because mm-hmm. um, I, I think, you know, very often um, the excuse that we have found to not cover black movies is that we are a mainstream movie podcast. And what mm-hmm. I don't think that I, you know, I, I knew it, but I didn't think or articulate it well enough to the point where it, you know, became the reality of the show is, well, what qualifies the term mainstream? And mainstream, uh, I think, in a lot of ways, indicates whiteness because of um, money and because of, in our specific uh, world, where Hollywood allocates its money and where it allocates its opportunities. So Mm -hmm. I think that we really often found an excuse to cover more white movies than not because those were the directors and the writers that have been given those opportunities. But uh, that's not an excuse. It's Mm -hmm. we're people that are more than capable of seeking out uh, movies that are not written and directed by white people. I just I was just like, Jamie, Caitlin, what are you (laughs) thinking? But yeah, that's the, that's some of the conversations that we've been having about about the show. We also, of course, always want to be bringing you all sorts of voices, especially black voices. Um, and we will continue to do so. And we want to do it more than we currently do. Um, I think we said this last week, but if, if there are specific guests that you're like, oh, I'd love to hear them on the show, um, let us know. Hopefully we mm-hmm. can make it happen. But yeah, I think it's particularly with black movies we have failed our audience in in just covering them which mm-hmm. will be rectified in the future and the immediate future too right so yes yes if there are movies that you would like to hear covered also let us know but we've got we've got shit in the works indeed and like i mean the whole thesis statement of our show is the media that we consume and how it influences individuals as well as culture. I mean, we we know already because we've talked about it on the show mm-hmm. at large that the underrepresentation or misrepresentation of any particular group contributes to a misunderstanding of that group. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, the mis and underrepresentation of black people, black characters in cinema contributes to systematic racism. Yeah, absolutely. And and in many, many, many cases, um, it is white writers and directors perpetuating those stereotypes across mm-hmm. all media, across, you know, we cover movies, but it's also very prevalent in television. It's it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and we do not want to be contributing to um, erasing or misrepresenting or undercovering, in particular, mm-hmm. black stories um, or, or or any non-white story, really. There are right. so many white stories, you know, possible to say the world is good. <laughs> um, yes. So we just kind of wanted to lead with that. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to continue reflecting on it. But the main the main message is, we recognize that we have not covered uh, enough black cinema. We have not as individuals seen enough black cinema uh, mm-hmm. because we have the privilege of a lot of popular media being marketed to us and being in many ways about us. Right. And that is something that we need to 
push past like and and so we talk about it more with Kinise, um particularly mm-hmm. uh i loved our, like just talking about movies that are about black joy and like mm-hmm. comedy and like there's just you know so we just we just wanted to lead with that and also say that we're committed to not just covering movies but also um directing you to uh, voices to follow. We'll continue mm-hmm. to elevate the voices of all of our guests, but our, our black guests in particular, we will be um, directing you to. If there's a guest, we said this last week as well, but if there's a guest on the Bechtelcast that you enjoyed and you don't follow their stuff, what are you doing? Like, get it, Fix it. together. Click yeah. that follow button. It's not hard. Make it right now. Um, and... We are. We apologize for our role in perpetuating the extreme whiteness of um, Hollywood, and at times, uh, I think the extreme whiteness of feminism. Where mm-hmm. we discussed this briefly as well, but um, there is a very traceable history of uh, feminism being having a lot of asterisks being specifically for white women. Definitely, that is not what we're about, and um, mm-hmm. we're we're. You know, it's something that we're also reflecting on. So, uh, for sure, yeah. Thank, thanks for for being here. You know, if you, if you're a listener of the show, you already know Kenise, mm-hmm. and she was kind enough to talk to us about. I mean, she's a she's a movie buff, and we love her, mm-hmm. and we hope you enjoy the conversation. Yeah. So, without much further ado, let's cut to the conversation that we had with our dear friend Kenise Mobley. Uh, and we are joined now with one of our favorite guest, favorite friends, just general, wonderful hero. Uh, <laughs> it's our friend Kenise Mobley. Hello, I've never Hi, been Kenise. called a hero. Literally, a hero. Ever. I'm gonna, hero. you know what? Me, people who save other people's lives. I was gonna <laughs> list professions, but some of those, like now, I feel like I can't. <laughs> I can't endorse an entire profession of any kind because there's mm. so just the people who have saved people's lives. Those are the heroes. That's <laughs> you're also a hero. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. And if, uh, listeners out there, you remember Kenise from our Back to the Future episode, which is yes. on our Matreon, as well as our Casino Royale episode on our main feed. Mm-hmm. So friend of the cast, returning yeah. third time. You're among the... Um, three-time elite, elite. Ooh, I want to I want you guys to do what SNL does and like what if I get on five times I want a jacket there oh we should do, do, they that. do that they do you get like a like a smoking jacket like a maroon <gasps> velvet smoking jacket and it has like five timers club I just watch way too much SNL so I know that, uh, that like really well but yes that is both heartwarming and so <laughs> weird to me <laughs> It's like Alec Baldwin has a jacket. I don't want him to have a jacket, but he does. (laughs) He does. He 100% has that five-timers jacket. (laughs) As we're recording this, Cops just got canceled forever. Yes. Wait, Cops, the TV program? Yes. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) The profession. (laughs) The profession is over. We, We did it. Success. We the police. <laughs> uh, no, for for now, it's just the television program is over. But that, but as far as media goes, that is uh, a, a really good step. There's, yeah. I, I, I didn't even know it was still on. I've seen so many tweets say that they're like, they're still make cops. Yes, they're still Yikes. having well, the boys in blue run after people who are confused. 
It's when hmm. how long has that show been on? It's been on since what the eighties, nineties? The eighties. I think time. it's thirty two seasons is what I saw earlier oh, today. Oh my, my. word. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, defund cops the show. And they uh, did. They yeah. did it. <laughs> they did. It's a start. It's a start. Yeah. It's a start. Well, <laughs> Yeah, I guess we want to just take an opportunity to reflect on our show's history, what we can do moving forward as the hosts of this show to make sure we are being as inclusive and as intersectional as possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, so... Yeah, there are some podcasts that talk about film and the only time they talk about black film is when it's like this is a big important black film and it is being nominated for academy awards and Mm -hmm. because they do that it is often black films that center on pain yeah so hey i'm a big fan but also my push is to please include movies that incorporate black joy silly black movies movies that aren't Mm -hmm. necessarily like critical darlings but fan darlings uh because Mm -hmm. it's not just I swear to God, if I have to listen to another podcast where it's like, okay, let's dissect 12 Years a Slave and let's talk about <laughs> whipping scenes for a long time. And I'm like, who is this fun for? <laughs> like, So, yeah, that's my stance. What, what are some of your favorites, favorite movies that celebrate Black Joy? Uh, so every Thanksgiving, I watch a double feature of Coming to America and Trading Places. I Ooh, that's so much fun. love those movies. I don't know what it is about Thanksgiving and Eddie Murphy, but mentally those two <laughs> things are paired forever. So every Thanksgiving I watch those really fun comedies. Uh, also, Dope. Have you guys seen this? Yeah, I yes. love Dope. It's Dope one of the best teen movies of the last decade, and I think it doesn't get a lot of props. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it's. I just think it's so funny. Why haven't we covered Dope? Oh, please, please do. And it has, oh, there's a lady in it who's like in a bunch of other things that I really like. And she's like a teen. And sometimes she is very much so dressed like a teenage boy. And sometimes she's like super glamorous, but she's fantastic. Sorry to bother you. Uh, How Stella Got Her Groove Back. I just saw this, like, I know I should have seen it years ago, but I just saw it earlier Mm -hmm. this year. Mm. The way they shoot Tay Diggs is a thing of beauty, and I <laughs> just I think it's important that we recognize that. Sure. Um, Bad Boys mm. is hilarious. Bad Boys 2. I haven't seen Bad Boys 3 uh, because it came out when theaters were completely shutting down. Right. I don't think a lot of people think of this as a black film, but it's directed by Spike Lee, Inside Man. Oh. With Denzel Washington yeah, and Clive Owen. It's a really mm-hmm. fun bank heist movie. It has uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor and, mm-hmm. oh, it has a ton of people. Willem Dafoe's in it. It's Jodie Foster. <laughs> Check it out. Wow, all star cast. And yeah, it's really, it's great. It's high energy. It, yeah, I just am a big fan. Um, mm-hmm. Good Hair, Chris Rock's documentary about the hair mm-hmm. care industry in the black community. Girls mm-hmm. Trip is hilarious. Uh, yeah. This is available on Amazon Prime. And I know Amazon is bad, but this movie is good. Uh, <laughs> the Last Black Man in San Francisco. Uh, oh, the yeah. music and the way that that was shot. Great. Creed was so good it made me join a gym. Like, I left <laughs> the Somerville Theater in Davis Square, Somerville, yeah. Massachusetts, and I walked to a Boston sports club directly, and I joined it because <laughs> I was like, Kenise, you, you need to change your life. This is... Media being influential. I, yes. It, <laughs> I mean, I would say it changed my life, but I did not continue to go. I went for <laughs> a few months, and then I stopped. Uh, Widows. <laughs> Uh, it's not light and upbeat, but it is, again, I love a heist film. Oh, no, Widows is awesome, yeah. I love uh, getting a crew together, 
planning a crime, committing a crime. It's great. And Steve McQueen is one of my favorite directors. I think the way mm -hmm. that he shoots things is so interesting. Uh, and he got Colin Farrell to be at once likable and hateable, which is, I think, a fantastic lane for Colin Farrell. Mm -hmm. um, sure. Us, Get Out, of course. I Am mm -hmm. Not Your Negro, also on Amazon Prime. Sorry. No ethical <laughs> consumption. <laughs> City of God. Oh, the um, Brazilian yes. film. Uh, I, yeah, I think it's important to show like black people across the planet because we are For everywhere. Sure. Um, but <laughs> that was one of like my. I made my mom watch that when I was in high school. I just found it so moving. It's uh, so good. And Love and Basketball. Uh, that's going to be my list. Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. My current list of very very good, not homework feeling black movies. Nice. Amazing. Yeah. Those, that's a great list. Yeah. And we need to cover a lot of those. Yeah, that's on. I mean, and, and for listeners, too, if there are movies uh, from black directors um, or black writers that you would love to see covered in the show, we're looking out for ones we haven't seen or heard of um, as well. So, you know, mm -hmm. at us, baby. We're, we're ready. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, most of the films that you listed just then, Kenise, have black either writers or directors not all of them but i think most of those did i think most of them do i think some of the ones especially the ones that are older like bad boys uh coming to america i don't think mm -hmm. those have black directors uh I mean, but Michael they Bay. star black people so <laughs> right um but there are a fair number of black narratives in film that don't have black filmmakers behind the camera and I think we talked about this on like the hidden figures <laughs> episode and things like that yeah. um Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse on the Matreon episode we did about that movie there's a whole there's I can't think of any others off the top of my head right now but I know they're out there um because historically movies about all types of people have still mostly been made by white men specifically speaks to the fact that black creatives have not been given opportunities, uh, their work has not been prioritized, all those issues that lead to the help. just there being the, exactly the help, green book, <laughs> nightmares such as those. And yes. I mean, the help, I think, as of this recording is still in the top 10 on Netflix. It makes which me is just so ugh. mad. It makes me <sighs> so, so mad. Who is, I don't know these people and I don't want to meet them, but who are these people that are like, you're right, I will help with racial justice by watching a story about a black domestic worker who is deprived of her rights. Yes, that's what I will do. That's, <sighs> that's, that seems like a good idea. This, to me, okay, and I, this may be too much and I recognize that, but to me, the help trending on Netflix yeah. is akin to the fact that like ebony pornography, ebony in air quotes pornography is like rising up the Pornhub charts because people are <laughs> like, I am doing a good deed. I am helping racial justice right now. It's it's a complete missing the mark thing, but we right. it keeps happening and it's making me mad. Oh, there, yeah, it's so cringy. Ugh. And and uh, there is there is a tweet from former guest on the show, the best, uh, Ayo Adebri. She she's so cool. She really is. She. I, I just, just. I met her when she lived in New York, and I was just like, "That's a cool lady." She's <laughs> a fellow Massachusetts oh, uh, res okay. resident. Maybe that, I was getting there. that. I was getting the Massachusetts. Oh, yeah, those mass vibes. Yeah, we're, we're all so cool. But she is. She. 
she had some because we we circulated a, a list of black movies and where you could watch them right now a, a list that was circulating that was like netflix hulu you know just to start but i also tweeted something i wanted to share where she said all the anti-racist watch lists that don't include daughters of the dust or losing ground or hollywood shuffle or ganja and hess or the watermelon woman or love and basketball uh remember love and get out you like black movies surprise lol it doesn't have to be homework (laughs) which i which which is i mean that hit for me as Mm -hmm. well as just like we should just be watching more black movies and you know as a show if the powers that be are not bringing it to us and not right. pushing it, then it's on us. We're a movie podcast. We need to seek it out. And it's no. not like we're watching movies. It's yeah. fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. Hollywood Shuffle is a really fun movie. I haven't seen it. I'm it's excited great. to watch it. I, I am going to admit right now that I don't think, I think I saw it in college but i haven't seen it since then so i remember none of the details because i don't remember my youth so same yeah Yeah, i i i saw it in in college and not since but uh, i remember it being really funny and like providing some you know compelling commentary (laughs) yeah i i think celebrating black movies that aren't just about black pain will also help with that because i think the perception is if you're watching a weighty black movie or like an important black movie it's gonna be a a about race and civil rights or slavery and mm-hmm. be depressing as hell and something that you have to sit through like homework. And I, I know that is not the case. So just mm-hmm. doing more of a variety of black movies, I think is important. Right. For sure. Absolutely. Cause it's, yeah, it's movies. Like right. <laughs> the, yeah. Well, Jamie, to touch on something you mentioned about like, if the powers that be don't like, <sighs> Basically, the point that I'll arrive at, so I'll just get there. <laughs> we all we all went to film school, right? Yeah, we, we studied did. film like in school. <laughs> Kanice, the two of us have master's degrees from Boston University. We don't like to bring it up. I know. Film. We would never bring it up. Feel no. attacked, but continue. <laughs> <laughs> just reflecting back on the movies that get mentioned in like film textbooks, yeah. the movies that get screened in classes, unless you specifically take like a class on black cinema, just general film classes. And maybe this has changed in the years that I have gone to school, or maybe this is different for certain schools, but the two different uh, brag, the two different schools I went to for <laughs> film school, they were like, um, yeah, so there were some important black films like do the right thing and boys in the hood and probably some other ones also there's a whole black exploitation movement yeah and um the end that's all you need to know <laughs> and they really just completely gloss over and did not make a priority of teaching film students about black cinema and should the onus have been on me to seek more out for myself yes did i do that not to the extent that i should have so yes that is yet another area that you know i will work on we also we went to the same place i remember i had to fight with my professors a little bit to take a race and gender course because that wasn't part mm. of the master's degree program uh, it was an undergraduate class and i was like i really think i should be getting some of this information yeah. and it was mm. there where i saw she's got to have it it was there where i saw 
Paris is Burning. It was there that I saw mm -hmm. like any representation of people who looked like me because in screenwriting class, in film history class, we did a lot of stuff. I mean, I saw every single Coen Brothers film and like <laughs> dozens of films by like French auteur directors, but I still don't think, like I can confidently say that in school I didn't see a single African film, like no mm. films that were made yeah. in Africa, um, and yeah. I still haven't really seen those. Like it just... I think the only director that even came up was Spike Lee, but that was it. Hmm. It's yeah. it, it's frustrating because it's I I feel the same way. Like it was on me to seek out more, and I didn't do as much as I should have. But I I think especially when we're talking about media and media education, which is what we have allegedly done from time to time uh, <laughs> between like talking about our various educational degrees and Alfred Molina, but like in theory there, there is all there's just in like film education and in media studies, it's so white. Like it's, and, and yeah. it, again, it's like kind of embarrassing to like be aware of it at the time, but not say enough about it where I think I've brought this up on the show before. I took a class called like Wilder, Allen and Kaufman, like mm -hmm. just three, like it's, and, and again, it was like, yeah, the, the black films that we studied were very like, it, it was just the same three movies that you hear about in every course. And it's like, we can't just, it, that means that first of all, there should be, black film professors employed it in universities and also just no matter who's teaching there you know i kenise you shouldn't have had to watch every coen brothers movie that <laughs> so i saw all of them except lady killers because they weren't going to do that they weren't going to make us watch the lady killers yeah that's not I a very the good coen movie. brothers would even co-sign that <laughs> decision <laughs> I think they would want to get rid of that as part of their canon. And I'm wondering what Tom <laughs> Hanks thinks about it. I just, right. yeah. Choices. It is, I mean, that's like something that, I don't know. I, I feel naive for not interrogating that more fully while I was in school. But I hope, and I, I think now just based on, um, I, I did a little research into like today's students, uh, smarter than me. Yes. And there is, <laughs> There has been more pushback um, in great. film schools to not just teach. It feels like the same 50 movies, no matter what school you're going to, <laughs> yes. basically. Mm. Yes. They, had, uh -huh. they all got the same syllabus from online, and they were like, yep, check. We are doing <laughs> the canon, and that's it. And if you want to see anything that's outside of that canon, if you want to see people of color that are directors, if you want to see female directors, you have to go and seek those out. And it's frustrating that, I mean, as, as valuable as those classes are and as happy as I am that they exist, that the stories are still othered to a separate class. Like yes. That right. just indicates that the school doesn't feel that black film is film. They're like, no, this is a separate class. It's a separate like, thing. This is a class that's mm -hmm. race and gender where film is a component, but we're not really counting it. And what I think it does is it produces uh, and has produced generations of film scholars and film critics who simply don't believe that works by black artists exist. Like they're like, oh, it's not like kind of referring back to like the Oscar so white campaign. It's mm -hmm. not that we are doing something bad. It's just that the system hasn't turned out any filmmakers versus I haven't done the research to know to go out and seek these films out. Mm -hmm. 
and again, it, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I think that in terms of the diversity of how many black film critics are being put on and given the appropriate reach is is also like an issue that comes up with us all the time where there's mm -hmm. so many movies that we've covered that are like well keep in mind this movie got mixed reviews but probably because everyone who reviewed it was a white man and <laughs> this movie was not for them and yes. so that's why they were just like i didn't get it see like <laughs> <laughs> that is infuriating and i agree 100 percent. yeah and and so we're we're gonna aim to but i mean our we've had an, a number of um black film critics on the show before like joelle monique is like one of the best in the game she's amazing um ashley ray is a writer i really enjoy reading and she's, she's so her funny. twitter's the best it <laughs> just she is just on all the time i love her so much and um and Danielle Radford is another amazing black media critic. Yeah. There, there are so many wonderful black film critics. I, I and I, I think it is like changing slowly. But in terms of like, are they getting the appropriate microphone and and reach, and are they being put on in the way that they deserve to be? I think that there's still a ways to go, and and we'll commit to showcasing those voices because sometimes you see like a, a random white guy review a movie that they just clearly they were didn't even attempt to put it like I, I it's just most film critics assume that the movie they're watching is made for them specifically yes mm -hmm. <laughs> it's wild I've heard in I do listen to a few film podcasts and there is one uh, that I like but it is led by two white men and just the nuances that they miss out on entirely because they're not familiar with the culture makes them mm. say oh this isn't very deep or these scenes aren't well acted but it's like they're operating on something that you just haven't taken the time to think critically about versus right. not saying anything at all. And we have those blind spots too and it's like we yeah it's like just stuff that we we need to commit to working and figuring out and I'll repeat this podcast recommendation again just because I've been listening to even more of it than I usually do but black men can't jump in Hollywood you <laughs> gotta listen to it it's so funny and I, I hope that we'll, we'll have them on the show soon as mm -hmm. well yeah that and like there's I think a discussion to be had around I guess uh, like the must-see movies of the year and how it's very seldom that they are black movies. I think that like Get Out was a recent exception, but like it's it's very rare that there will be critical darlings or, or movies that like critics by and large love and say like, you got to see this. This is the must see movie of the year because it is like white critics mostly or historically leading the narrative of like what movies you have to see right and right. which results in us getting every richard linklater film being one that you absolutely have to see <laughs> right. because isn't isn't boyhood universal everyone feels oh. as strongly about it as men in their 40s everyone feels that way <laughs> mm -hmm. just, that killed me i was like it was fine i don't know why everyone's okay <laughs> right yeah. they really they really played us with that one yes <laughs> I was so I didn't see it until last year and I was just like what <laughs> that was what I was have to see they were really betting on that kid growing up to be a good actor <laughs> <laughs> yeah and um, whoops yeah no but I mean <laughs> that was a tangent but yeah I, I I totally agree and and I think again it's like where we have a platform where we talk about film 
I include us in, in that as well. Mm -hmm. And that's like, that is something that we need to get better at is, um, even if the marketing department is not going to tell us this is a must see movie, it's like, you know, let's seek out the movie. Let's watch it. Let's talk about it. It's truly mm -hmm. the easiest thing in the world to do. And yes. <laughs> uh, we'll be doing it much more. Hell yeah. Yeah. When I was growing up, I lived kind of between one theater, which was in a whiter neighborhood and one theater, which was in a blacker neighborhood. And even mm -hmm. then, it was really clear to see which movies were advertised and pushed where. So like a black movie would be maybe on one screen playing twice a day at the big one in the white neighborhood. But then mm -hmm. you'd go over to the black neighborhood and it would be on like four screens. It felt like they were like, come and see this maybe, but we don't anticipate that this audience could have any interest in this type of story. Which is so limiting, like for it, it just, and it just assumes whiteness is the dominance. It uh, assumes whiteness is the dominance and that it fulfills the prophecy that that movie won't make as much money because they're right. not putting it in as many places. And so it has to, like it ha every theater has to sell out or it has to blow out sales records in order to be considered a success. Like why like girls trip made so much money but it had to be very good in order to make that money if that makes sense and also framing i, I remember girls trip being framed as like a surprise success yes and like what is that supposed to be indicating fucking like queen latifah is it how is it a surprise that yeah. that movie would queen be latifah, successful jada pinkett smith yeah like, tiffany had like yeah it had such a major good movie stars yeah it was, it was very good. I liked it a lot. I loved it. It was yeah. very funny. There's a very specific SNL skit. Tom Hanks. It's on Black Jeopardy. Did you guys see this? I don't. Um, it doesn't sound Not super right. familiar. I think it's one of the best sketches that SNL put out for a while. But it's Tom Hanks. He's on Black Jeopardy, which is a bit that they do that's really mm. recurring. And they ask a question about a Medea movie. And he answers it right away. And everyone is shocked. They're like, you know all of Medea? He's like, it's a. It's a heartwarming film where they talk about God. I've, I feel like that hits with a lot of people. And it just, everyone was shocked and like, yeah, I guess, I guess it does. I think that if they approached it more like mm -hmm. that, that these are themes that are fairly universal that a lot of people can relate to, that these films would have wider releases and bigger openings. Right. Absolutely. That's the thing about storytelling is that, sure, there are some movies that are geared for a more specific niche audience but like a lot of movies in general try to appeal to as large of an audience as possible by exploring very universally relatable themes and many black films do this and for film marketers to assume that a white audience couldn't connect with a story with a black protagonist or a story that explores a black experience like that is ludicrous and Hollywood needs to get a clue <laughs> and like invest in black creatives mm -hmm. too because yes. it's just it's such a like you know it's such a cyclical issue of like you know if black creators don't get the money to make their movie then there's automatically less movies to market. If a movie is made by a black creative, it's automatically marketed less 
because there is this like prevalent assumption that no matter how many times it's proven mm-hmm. wrong is always <laughs> assumed over and over and over that uh, black movies won't sell as well, even though it's uh, it's so frustrating. Like it's yes. constantly multiple <laughs> times a year constantly, yes. proven wrong. Um, but, you know, it just becomes like this vicious circle. And since we cannot uh, count upon the entertainment industry t- to improve, <laughs> which it, it does so, 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 so slowly. Um, but it, it truly, I mean, I feel like it does come down to like individuals being like, I am going to look outside of what is literally put in front mm-hmm. of me by, because, and also like so often what is put directly in front of us, as we discuss on the show constantly, sucks. <laughs> um, so. Yeah. And I mean, part of that responsibility is ours to like go and research the films that aren't maybe in the mainstream because Hollywood refuses to try to let them be in the mainstream and to watch those films and share them with our audience and uh, our friends and everyone, everyone around us. (laughs) Um, I, I, what I think we want (laughs) to do now is just encourage our listeners to do the same work that we are committing to in terms of discovering more black cinema, consuming it. And we'll also be uh, using like more of our platform, more of our social media to direct you where we can. Mm-hmm. And we're always like, we want to hear what you're watching, um, what you'd like to see covered on the show, which our listeners have never been shy about letting mm-hmm. us know. So we trust, <laughs> we trust that that will right. continue. But we, we, uh, we, we're going to prioritize more finding voices to elevate and uh, show to you with our, with our humble baby platform Definitely. that we have. Um, yeah. And I th- honestly, like, we're focusing on black cinema right now, but we could stand to cover more movies about other underrepresented groups. We could, we, there's movies mm-hmm. about black, brown, Asian, indigenous people. We could cover more queer movies, more international movies, like not just English language American movies. Like, there's just a whole scope of things that we can definitely... We can read. We yep. can read. <laughs> The thing is, we can read and we should do it more. Indeed. Um, Another thing that we are going to do moving forward is an adjustment to our nipple scale. Yes. We've always treated it as how does this movie represent women? Um, But that is something that uh, we, of course, realize isn't all inclusive. Mm -hmm. So what we're going to do instead, and this is what we've done with the podcast, with the discussions itself, but... Uh, but we're just changing the official rules. Yeah, extending it to the nipple scale is... Yeah. Uh, rather than how does the movie represent women, it's more how does the movie hold up when we're looking at it from an intersectional feminist lens. 100%. Um, and that way it's more inclusive, it's more intersectional. That is what we're going to do moving forward. Yeah, uh, because we we also fully acknowledge, I mean, we always say that the Bechtel test is a flawed metric, um, but one of the ways in which it is a flawed metric is that, you know, by and large, we don't have the numbers on this, but we've seen... (laughs) movies i think that oftentimes the the bechtel test is most often passed between two white women mm-hmm. and so you know it's on us to be taking and coming at the entire show 
through an intersectional lens. And that means, like we always do, we will be talking beyond the Bechdel test, but even with our own metric and with how we're approaching the Bechdel test, we're, we're going to be kind of making that a little more focused and a little more clear mm -hmm. moving forward. And I think that that I also want to uh, give a hat tip to past guest Danny Fernandez um, for making that point on a recent Twitter thread that um, mm -hmm. she just mentioned the Bechdel test often caters to white women, um, right. which is absolutely true. And uh, we will be more mindful in you know pointing that out. For sure. When a movie does pass, it's often between two cis het white women and while that's not nothing it's definitely not everything not everything yeah. what a great way to put it um and and also that i mean speaking of the Bechtel test and you know listeners you know that we only use that as a really springboard to inspire a larger conversation there's still a way that we could approach even how we treat the Bechdel test uh, mm -hmm. as being more inclusive. Because we've always said, you know, female identifying characters who speak to each other. I've I've seen renditions of it where it's women, femmes, and non-binary people if they speak to each other. So it's basically just broadening it up to more identities on the gender spectrum speaking to each other and still allowing that to pass. So, yeah. Um, Moving forward, I think that would be a good idea to Absolutely. implement. Mm -hmm. um, and with that, uh, thank you so much, Kenise, for being here. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Um, yeah. Where can people follow your stuff online? What would you like to plug? Uh, you can find me online at Kenise Mobley on all the platforms. That's Twitter. That's Instagram. That's Venmo if you're nasty. <laughs> I don't know why I said that, um, but you get it. Venmo sure, whatever, Kenise your right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but only if you're no. That's weird. Um, I take it back. My bad. Okay. Uh, and also, you could listen to my podcast, which is called Love About Town, yes. uh, which uh, Caitlin, you have been a guest on, mm -hmm. and Jamie was a guest on one of the first incarnations of the pod. Yeah. Hell yeah. Actually, Caitlin, you it's were on both that types of the I pod. was on both. Yeah. People about town, right? And then love about town. Yep. Uh-huh. Love yeah. it. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, please follow Kenise and Venmo her at least $10, preferably <laughs> more. Um, and, you know, you can follow us at all the normal places, um, Instagram and Twitter as well you know the other stuff we don't need to hawk our <laughs> merch right now um yeah well and and we'll be back next week spoiler alert we're doing tangerine next week yes Woo. so excited love that movie hell yeah yeah um thanks everyone for listening and we'll be back next week Bye bye, bye. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. 
With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.